0: Welcome to the daily objective. Today is a solo episode and it's going to be a peculiar one because I'm going to experiment with some ideas. Uh, I have to give some talks on the topic in the not so distant future. So, in a way, you're going to hear my thoughts. I'm interested to know if you think they make sense, if I'm onto something, what do you think on these issues. So, the main topic, the main theme is a very peculiar situation that we see happening in the world, which is people are more and more afraid of things, from health to bigger, like more things that have to do with where the world is going, climate change is an example. And yet, the more people are afraid, the less they are willing to take any meaningful action to deal with these issues. And I'm gonna give some examples on what I mean, and then try to fo- to give an explanation of why this is happening and maybe again hear also from you if you think this is the case or i'm reading too much into it now as usual the original idea comes from reading Ayn Rand's essays. so for the last one and a half two months uh, i have to i i've told myself every day you'll read a bit from Ayn Rand's essays and the ideas i get are very very interesting so In the beginning of an essay, which is here in Philosophy Who Needs It, and the essay is Faith and Force, the Destroyers of the Modern World, Ayn Rand says something which I found very interesting. So, and what he says is that everyone is convinced that the world is at great, is in great threat from one thing or another. And at the same time, they agree that nothing can be done that no answers are basically possible. And all we can do is small things here and there, bromides, but mostly we need to whip ourselves and tell ourselves, you are not good and you cannot fix things because human beings are bad and they've made such a mess. Let me give various examples from the, from the culture and you're going to find them familiar, hopefully. In the UK, we hear all the time about the issue of housing. Housing is very expensive, indeed it is, and that we need to do something about the topic. Now, you ask a five-year-old, maybe even a four-year-old, we have a problem in terms that many people want to live in houses and we haven't got enough houses. What should we do? A four-year-old would say, oh, we need to build more houses. For some reason, this is very difficult to persuade the the British public and the politicians. So the obvious solution, which is we need to build more, is dismissed. What you get is things like we need rent control, people need to move to the countryside. Again, everything except the obvious that would solve the problem once and for all. Or last year, we had months of riots and of protests on how police is racist and how it puts people in... Uh, that that racist policing puts black people in harm's way. Again, often this is true. What will be a radical and obvious solution? Why are most black people uh, being victimized for things that have to do with possessing or trading drugs? Okay, how about we legalize drugs? No, no, we can't go there. So we can have riots for months, and protest, but when it comes to the obvious solution, we can't go there. No, we can't go there. Another issue: bullying, for example, in schools. Again, if you dare to give, and I'm not saying it's even the best solution. Something like, okay, maybe we should uh, teach self-defense to kids. No, 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 no. This, this, this has this. This is not the case. Anyway, that's a bit more controversial. So, and don't, don't let me even go to the topic that's well. Because then it's going to be, teach boys not to be bullies. Don't teach bully kids to defend themselves. Okay. How about COVID? How about COVID? The worst pandemic in a century. Indeed. You have have heard the story many, many times. The vaccine was basically, Moderna's vaccine was ready after two days. Within some months, the protocols that say that it's safety, were there, the boxes were ticked, but we couldn't have it for many, many months because the government had to approve everything. And what was many people's concern? Oh, the vaccine is rust. Or to give you a more personal experience I've had. These days, I'm back to university campus to teaching, we are open again, and I see many people who are visibly very worried about COVID. They wear masks and all that stuff. And at the same time, you see these people in a room with windows or doors, and the windows are closed. And I'm thinking, okay, so you do have the fear of COVID, and this is entirely respectable. You're wearing a mask indoors, but the obvious thing, which is to open the window, didn't pass your mind. But let me get to the number one issue. And the, the thing that made me think, the, the thing that actually made me uh, decide this as a topic, climate change. Oh, by the way, I see someone is telling me here, this essay is the essay that James is going to discuss today. Okay, <laughs> I, this was not planned, but good. So climate change, I think, is the number one uh, area where all these tenets is very clearly, very clear to us. So what do we hear? We hear that there's environmental apocalypse coming. That, and we even hear that we are 12 years away from saving the world or I don't know what's the bromide of the last, what's the bromide which is more popular today. Okay, so ask yourself, what would you do in such an emergency? The first thing you would do is you say, okay, I need energy and I need clean energy. How can I get plentiful clean energy? That's nuclear. And again, the answer is immediately no, you can't do that. But we are in an emergency. No, 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 no nuclear. Okay. What about the people who believe that the world will literally end in within a couple of decades? So you tell them, look, okay, since the world is going to end anyway, so let's go with your premise. The world will go to flames. Then maybe shall we try geoengineering, like controlling the climate, bombard the clouds with particles so that they absorb more light. There are are various ideas. Who knows if they're going to work 100%, but we are supposedly two decades from the disaster. And again, the answer is no. No, no, we can't go there. So the tendency is hopefully clear by now. We see more and more people entirely convinced that there's an impending disaster and at the same time, these people are like, oh, okay, what can you do? We can't do much. We can be afraid. We can talk a lot about it. So listen to Greta Thunberg, for example. I mean, these people, they talk and talk and talk and say nothing. I mean, she says that nothing in a passionate way. So she gets attention and all that stuff, but there's nothing there of the essence. There's no. The urgency is more to complain rather than provide solutions because even by their own standards the solutions that they provide so for example if we cut co2 what's going to be the actual impact on the climate very 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 minuscule so the question is why do you why are you so afraid about this issue why do you you almost feel at home in this fear and at the same time you don't want to do any uh, anything particular with that and don't even get me on the issue of health right so this is something that everyone is worried about. And again, if you, if you tell people, would you be in favor of someone who has a fatal disease or a almost certain fatal disease to be able to experiment with untested drugs or whatever? No, 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 no. You can't go there. Again, the alternative is death. No, we can't do that. So Ayn Rand said that the two qualities that CCs sees most apply here is despair and boredom. And again, this is a very, very peculiar combination. I can understand despair, but how despair can go hand in hand with boredom? You'd expect that despair might lead to frantic activity. You might think that despair might lead to, let's try anything and maybe something works. But despair and boredom, why? So first of all, let's see why the despair. And here the answer is relatively easy for me and I think for all objectivists to understand. So it's as if we're sending people to a mission and we have made sure that we undermine their main tool to succeed in that mission. And of course, that tool is the human mind. So time and again, we've been hearing that the human mind is uh, the source of the bad things that happened, that we think were too ambitious, we were Icarus who flew too close to the sun. And this cockiness, this human cockiness has caused all these problems. Remember, remember when COVID happened, the very famous then line, nature is healing. It's almost like, okay, humans, you need to step aside because you've screwed up. And now at least let's, let's nature take its course. But how can you operate in a world without this major tool? What is the only then feeling that is left to you? And Nathaniel Brandon puts it this way in one of his essays in the virtue of Selfishness, he says, it's not that we tell people that they don't know the world because there are many things that are unknown. We are telling people that they cannot know the world. And that's the difference. You don't know versus you can't know. And again, we hear this all the time. Oh, if we do this, if we go with geoengineering, who knows what will happen? And uh, it can be a disaster and all that stuff. But as Brandon says, and it's one of his most brilliant lines, as I said, I really like Nathaniel Brandon's writing in his Iron Rand period, that when a universe is comprised of the unknown, sorry, not of the unknown, but of the unknowable, then this universe is like a haunted house. It's like you're in a house that you don't know. Is this door going to open? To the other room, or to a chaos with a, don't know snakes inside, or is this a, is this a closet, or is there a ghost in that closet? So this is how the modern, the average person they view the world. Like, how can I? Who am I to know what's happening here? And of course, what's going to happen in a hunt in a haunted house? You're going to get crazy sooner or later. You're going to get paranoid. You're going to be very very afraid. And this is how we have the, uh, the fear that is so prevalent today. Okay. But if despair and fear is the one characteristic, what about boredom? How can fear go hand to hand with boredom? And I think boredom has to do with the idea that, well, it's futile. And not only it's futile, are we even worth saving? Like there's this lack of ambitiousness. And again, this has to do with with, with with a diminished with a diminished uh, how to put it the, dim, the the diminished quality that we think human beings have the diminished value that we think they have so do we have the self esteem to consider ourselves worth saving should we experiment with mother nature for example to reverse climate change if climate change is this disastrous and again the answer you get is no no we shouldn't go there Or even if you do persuade some people that, yeah, maybe we are worth saving, are we free to experiment with radical things that can help with these radical uh, and big problems? And the answer is no. So we have the perfect storm. Number one, we don't believe that our mind is efficacious and potent. Number two, we don't have the self-esteem to say that these big problems that we save, we have to solve them and we, we do we are worth saving basically. And number three, do we have the freedom to act towards saving ourselves? And the answer to all these issues is a big no. And the answer is basically, well, you know, we we can't do much. And this is something which I find also in the micro level, which is the example I gave you with the people who are very, very, very afraid of COVID. And for example, they can't even think that, okay, maybe I can open the window. Or the other phenomenon that I find so weird, people again who are so visibly afraid of the disease, of the pandemic, and they wear these cloth masks. So you've spent 90 months in fear, but you didn't spend the five minutes online to figure out which mask is good and which mask is not good. And Again, I don't think these people are lazy. It's almost this, uh, this intellectual uh, you know, la- not laziness, but well, are there solutions? Who knows? I'll do what I'm told to do. It's this second-handiness, is this well, there are probably no solutions. What can one do? Or it could be that you, know, you feel at you feel at home in this atmosphere of fear, and you feel at home in this atmosphere of despair. Now have we got any questions? I can't see the super chat, but Dylan's gonna thank you very much, Jeff, for your contribution. And again, I'm very, I'm also interested in your, in your views on whether you think there's something there, whether you think that, or maybe again, I'm looking to, I'm, I'm, I'm looking into this and I see things that are not actually there. Roland says, never let the good crisis disappear by providing a solution. Okay, that's, that's a good point. I could understand this for, the, let's say, for some politicians who think you know, they're power lasters, but do you think that the average person does not want to find a solution to that? And I had a discussion with an objectivist that I really respect recently, and he told me that with... And now I'm risking psychologizing. But yeah, some people do feel at home in a crisis because they have no real values. There are no real things that they're passionate about. Their view of the world is so gloomy that, well, yeah, if you know, there are no values, therefore, if other people are not after values and they stay at home or there's this, yeah, I knew it, it's always doom and gloom. And now that I see a pandemic, I kind of feel at home. I don't want to believe it. I can't see how someone can operate under that premise when your life the life of those you love is in danger so but it's an explanation that I'm afraid that I'll have to consider a bit more because it sounds plausible. Robert says the problem the problem with cynicism and skepticism is well presented. I'd better contribute to supersat now in case I disagree once you present the solution. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I haven't even presented the solution because first I want to make sure that I understand the problem. And particularly with the issue of medicine, that's where it really strikes me. Like, shouldn't everyone be on the barricades, for example, for people to be able to experiment with any drugs they want, particularly people who have very serious diseases? I mean, to his, uh, his, uh, how it's called, Good for him that Trump passed a legislation, an executive order or something, that says that if you are in the last stages of a disease, you can try something. But why not with everyone? I mean, this is something that has to do with, with everyone. Everyone is going to face at some point or someone whom they know might face a serious disease. So, but again, it's like, well, you know, what can you do? Duncan says, good insight, Nikos. Thank you. If the catastrophes are actually impotent, then that is great news to me because they seem to be the greatest threat. Yeah, but notice they're impotent, but at the same time, they want to do, they want to pretend that they're doing things. And these things are very annoying for the rest of us. An example is the banning of the plastic straws. And the plastic straws is a hill I'm going to die on because it's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. If you try to imagine the percentage that the plastic straws, the one that we drink the Frappe or the Freddo Espresso in Greece, I don't know what they use here. They don't even have real Frappe here, but don't let me start it on that. If you count what is the percentage that these straws contribute to the plastics in the ocean, it's 0.00000000 something. It's, you need like literally lines of zeros. And yet there's all this energy in this. And again, if you go to people and say, okay, how about we solve this issue one and for good with, of the climate change? Nuclear energy or uh, geoengineering? No. I don't get it, sorry. I just, it's impossible for me to get it. Marilyn says, so it's not that they say, well, we can't do something and they leave the field to us who believe that something is, can be done. They say, we can do something and no one is allowed to do something. I mean, I'm perfectly capable of understanding someone who doesn't want to, quote, experiment with a vaccine or with a medicine. Okay, other people do want to experiment. Why don't you leave us alone? Madeleine says, for some reason, oh, sorry, for some people, a crisis is an excuse for not doing something with their own lives. Yeah, I guess, but... Why? Why is it then with so many, with so many people? Someone says, I, says I keep plastic straws in my car always." Well, if someone one day, maybe in a celebratory, celebrate celebratory episode, I will show you my stock of plastic straws, the stock that I have in the UK, not the stock that I have in Greece. The stock I have in Greece, is, but I, part of me is even worried, like. Is someone going to knock on my door? Or in the case of an apocalypse, like are people going to loot my house going for plastic straws? But believe me, people, I have way more plastic straws than probably the frappes that I'm going to be having in the UK. Robert says, by the way, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, participation. I really appreciate this. Thank you very much. Robert says, it's amazing that the same people who say, I end afraid of no China virus, also say you are nuts if you're not afraid of these american vaccines exactly there should be no fda but these vaccines are an fda approved <laughs> exactly it's exactly this thing and again of course notice also the tribalism that a year ago the vaccines were the best thing that has ever happened for many conservatives because god emperor trump and again to his to his uh to his credit, tried to rush the the process. Of course, while he was at it, he should also ban, he should also, uh, there should be no FDA as as the comment said, he didn't do it, so what a wasted chance. Okay, so now the obvious answer is what's the solution to all that? I think the solution to all that is to go back to these three core values, that number one, Our mind can think and figure things out. So for most problems, we do have solutions, at at least inside here. The second is that we should have the freedom to experiment with these solutions. And the background of these two is that, yeah, we are worth saving. Every single human being should live longer and better lives. So We should have this self-esteem. Of course, when you hear, leading public intellectuals, and people who are considered national treasure, referring to human beings as a a parasite on planet Earth, then it's a bit more difficult to have this self-esteem. So we need to get rid of this idea that we are unfit to exist and unworthy of existing, which is what many sides of the dominant culture are bombarding us with, and to say, no, I am fit to exist, I can exist, I will exist. So this is this is how I this is how it should be viewed. Okay. So as I said, today's episode a bit shorter, and I'm just experimenting with these things. If you happen to be in the battle of ideas this weekend, there's gonna be myself and John Watkins and hundreds of other speakers, but among these people, there's gonna be some faces that you will recognize. Uh, Ayn Rand Center and Ayn Rand Institute are going to have, I think, a table and you can come and say hi. You're going to see some familiar faces there. And th- Sunday I have a talk on the topic. So if you are one of the people who are going to be there, you might hear some of these things for a second time, but it's going to be a better delivery probably. So I'm looking forward to seeing you there. If you are if you live in the north of the UK, tomorrow I have a talk at Leeds. 7 o'clock at Leeds, at Leeds Salon. It's about the book. It's about my tribalist book. By the way, here's a reminder that if you haven't read it, give it... A, if you like the things I say, odds are you're going to like the book. If you liked it a lot, go give it an Amazon five-star review. Write a short comment. If you didn't like it, don't take any action. So what happens later? We have the essay discussion and I, I think it's uh, it's the essay I mentioned, Faith and Forth, the Destroyers of the Modern World. No Yaron debates Europe today. There are probably 10 other things happening in Ayn Rand Centre UK today that I'm missing. But for now, that is all. I very much appreciate your comments. I very much appreciate your contributions. I'm going to be for a while on Clubhouse, so come and say hi there and we can discuss things a bit more. Oh, one more super chat. Thank you very much, Jeff. The practice of omitting critical facts to maintain the narrative seems prolific. I just finished Moral Case for Fossil Fuels and it was the only place where oil workers were celebrated for their work. Yeah, this book, uh, if someone could... uh, if you tell me, name one book that you wish you had written and that was written in the last, I don't know, 20 years, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels would be that. It's it's a great book, and it's a book that has actually changed, uh, changed minds. Okay. Thank you, Jeff, for your contributions. Thank you, everyone, for your contributions. We're moving to Clubhouse. We're going to be there for a while. Show up, and we can continue the discussion there. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.